Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. Morning, everyone. My name is Jody. I'll be reading from Obadiah, verses 19 through 21. Those of the Negeb shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Zephyrad shall possess the cities of the Negeb. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, thankful for the opportunity. First thing I want to say thank you to Haley and Jesse and Terry. Amen. That was a blessing. You know, it's funny, as I know them, I know where they live, but I couldn't tell you where Elysburg is. I don't even know if that's a real place, but we're glad you're with us, and it was a huge blessing. And uh, thank you for all those that work to make this all set up and happen, and so it's a blessing. So this morning in your Bibles, if you want to turn to Obadiah, uh, I'm going to... Ben, should I move forward? feels a little echoey. There you go. Um, so one of the things that before we get going, I want to share a couple of things with you. Number one, uh, thank you, Pastor Rick, uh, for sharing this morning. That was incredible. Just a great way to start worship. And uh, the Connect class in two weeks, uh, actually next Sunday, going through Jonah, it's going to be such a great opportunity. And it's funny how things work as, as timing and schedules. And so not only is the class going to be about a uh, full study of Jonah, Pastor Rick will be sharing uh, the third week, our next guest about Jonah, and it's his favorite verse, which we'll all get to read together, which will be fun. So I'm thankful for that. Second thing is, uh, one of the things, I always want you to hear stuff from me as best as I can give you information. And so uh, next week is a Connect Week. And again, we know schedules-wise, we're trying to learn this and live into it. Um, But next week is a Connect Week. And if you're not in a Connect group yet, we will gladly help you make that happen. But uh, we as a church believe in our model our model is actually quite difficult to accomplish, okay? And so with that, we ask our small group leaders, our group leaders, we ask a lot of them. We are here in this building about 25 uh, Sundays a year. 25 other Sundays a year, right? We are at people's houses where they're pouring into, they're shepherding, they're engaging, they're stepping into those relationships. And so that's part of our model to make sure you understand you have people and connection and all that kind of stuff. And so next week, we as a church are sending our Connect Group leaders to Weekend to Remember because we believe that their marriages have to be and their relationships have to be healthy in order to continue to invest in other people, okay? So we as a church are doing that. And we as a church will continue to invest in our group leaders because they are doing so much of the caring and loving and pouring into that is my job, but it's shared amongst us as a body. So I want you to hear it. So we're doing this. It's not a secret. It's nothing that we're trying to hide. Instead, it's something we want to continue to find ways to invest in what we want God to believe God's calling us to. Okay? So if you have any questions, I would love the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, 
if you were like, man, it feels kind of funny, I will happily work through it with you, talk through it, and I invite that conversation as much as possible. Okay, so you're in Obadiah. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of a story. Uh, if you have driven past my house in the last couple of weeks, we have uh, been doing a house project. Um, it is huge and uh, finally done, praise the Lord. Uh, I am finally not sleeping on my couch or on my floor in my basement. And um, for the first time in probably three or four months, uh, there's not a child sleeping on either side of me throughout the night. So it was a good thing. One of the things that Nikki and I learned, or at least I feel like I learned, she'll tell you whether she believes it or not, is we are not house project people. Uh, we need our house to be organized and there needs to be nothing so that we can continue to do what we're supposed to be doing and what we believe we're called to. And it stretches us, right? And what was happened in, in the last couple months is we have been fighting nonstop, Nikki and I. And we've had some doozies. And what I realized is we don't actually are, we aren't naturally fighters, but what it is is we're the people that hold it all in and then it all comes out and it ain't pretty. And when we get to those moments, I am not nice. And I have realized my pride wells up in ways that you couldn't even imagine. I know I'm wrong and I'm still going to fight you every square inch of the way. I am going to tell you and find ways to prove the holes in your argument. And Nikki every time would say, is this what you would teach in premarital counseling? And I'd say, whatever. <laughs> All right. Many of our couples that we've got to sit with, right, are here with us, and they would probably have heard and can attest to the fact that we are not perfect. Instead, we're saying, hey, this is what we're learning. But I want you to hear my pride drives me so often that even if I know I'm wrong, I will still make the wrong decision. Make sense? Now, you're not like that. You're good Christian people. There's no words that come out of your mouth. You'll never make a decision contrary to truth, even though you know it's wrong. We won't do those things. And that's a little bit of the setting here is that in Obadiah, he is preaching not necessarily to Israel, but to Israel's brother, Edom. And so we're going to walk through this a little bit, but I want you to just walk through this. As we talk through the minor prophets over the next couple months, uh, we need to make sure we have a good setting and understanding for scripture. We have to understand the whole of scripture so that it actually informs us about who God is, what he's doing. And so number one, all scripture speaks to who God is. All scripture speaks to who God is, speaks to the need for Jesus and speaks to the plan for his return. All scripture does. The whole entirety of scripture, okay? All of that. If we look at scripture as us as the point, we miss the point of scripture, okay? You are not the point of the Bible. You receive benefit from it. You receive the grace that God has given us, but you are not the point of scripture. That's why it's so dangerous just to read one verse and go, oh my word, this was for me today. It might be, it's true. But if you don't read the verse before that, you could probably completely not apply that correctly and completely screw up who you believe God is. Because if it doesn't go right according to that verse, then you're mad at God, right? So if we're looking at scripture only for our benefit, then we miss the point of scripture, which is Jesus. 
Jesus does not want you to stay where you are. Jesus wants you and will work in and show you love and grace to turn you to be more like him. Right? The hope is, the hope is Jesus. And so there is a both statement. Scripture is bigger than me and also speaks to me. Scripture is way bigger than me. It's huge. It's all-encompassing. It speaks to the entirety of life, the entirety of history. It speaks to everything that is true, but it also speaks to me. Okay? And so how we go about working through that and applying that thought process greatly changes how we move through life. If you want to be prosperous, you can read scripture like you're supposed to prosper in everything you do. That's not true. Right? Scripture is bigger than me and it also speaks to me. Now, Obadiah, I'll give you a little bit of background. Anybody get to watch the Bible Project video that we sent? Okay, good. Couple of you. Somebody reads an email still. That's good. And so we're going to go through a couple minor prophets. We'll send you the video. The video is super engaging. It tells you a whole lot. And uh, you could be like, oh, I'll listen to that. I don't have to listen to Jerry on Sunday. It's probably way better. But Obadiah, we don't know much about him. His name was a common name, but his name means one who serves Yahweh. It is believed to have been written after the destruction of Jerusalem and before the fall of Edom, okay? Now, we're gonna get into who Edom is. So let me, next one, that bottom line, I'm sorry, that bottom line, we know Abraham, we know Isaac, right? And we know Jacob. Now, Jacob stole whose blessing? Anybody? Esau, okay? Esau became Edom. Edom, for the rest of its life, were, uh, I think, cave dwellers, mountain dwellers, all that kind of stuff. They never fully... Ah, forgave Israel. And so they thought they were better. They spent their entire existence thinking we're better than the Israelites. Their family, but they spent their entire lives, their entire existence saying we're better than them. And so that's where we get the first glimpse of pride is we go, okay, how often do I process the people I meet? And I'm always like, I don't say it out loud, but I'm like, I'm better than them. Maybe it's a job or somebody got promoted, something like that. It's amazing how easy pride can sneak in. So Edom was Israel's cousins, quote unquote. They were believed, they spent their entire time believing they're better people. They sat idle, right? We talk about fall of Jerusalem. They sat idle while Jerusalem was being destroyed. They should have gone and helped. They knew what was right, but they didn't. And not only that, not only did they know what was right and they didn't do it, but then they convinced themselves that they were like, you know what? We're going to go get some of the plunder. Plunder is such a cool word. I always think of Jack, uh, the Captain Jack Sparrow whenever I think of plunder for some reason. They jumped in and plundered some of the cities and took captives. They completely jumped in and said, all right, well, we're going to get ours here. They're lesser people. They're lesser. We're going to jump in and we're going to get ours in this process. And for many of us, as this portion of scripture talks about, it says God starts to reign and starts to move and says, you know what? There's judgment that needs to happen. 
judgment for Edom. Israel's already under judgment because the the fall from uh, Jerusalem. Babylon came in and completely wiped them down or wiped them out. Judgment is a huge sticking point for many people when it comes to their relationship with God. Judgment is a huge sticking point for many people when it comes to their relationship with God. We read the Old Testament and we go, that, this can't be God. How could God do this? Right? For many of us, we won't surrender to a God who judges. Our surrender is often inhibited because our fear of our consequences. Right? Said, I got this huge pride. God's great. He's showing love and grace and he's this great guy. But if I surrender everything, that means I know there's going to be consequences and I don't trust him enough to do that. If I entrust him with my entirety of my life, if I refuse to give up all of myself, I can at least keep a portion of myself for me and I don't have to give everything up. I'm afraid of the consequences of what happens if I surrender the wholeness to him. So let's get into it a little bit. Um, Edom, Edom, their pride led them to judgment. In verse seven, we hear about their allies and the people that sat at their table. The people that they thought were allies are going to turn on them, right? So Edom thinks they're better. They now have allies too that they think, all right, we've got an extra layer of safety. We've got our people. Our people won't let us down. They'll never turn on us. And God says, even the people that sat at your table will turn against you, right? Their people, their allies will betray them. Verses eight and nine, their wisdom, understanding, and military strength will present no hope compared to who God is. Now let's take a second. How do we as a country define ourselves as safe? Our allies, our military strength, our wisdom. We naturally have all kinds of pride in things. That's not bad, right? We're blessed to live where we live. It's a great thing. But don't you see some of the things that are easy parallels to go, man, we've got a lot of pride and man, do we maybe trust in them more than we trust in God. I have full safety. I've, I've naturally got all this safety in my life. I don't really need God that much. Their allies, their wisdom and understanding, their military strength all present no hope. We as a country, again, these aren't bad things, but we as a country... And then we're going to go personal, strong borders, strong military, robust economy, smartest doctors. Yet when anything happens outside of that, our lives are completely wrecked, right? So all the things that are supposed to be good, if something goes wrong in that system, how could this happen? Now let's bring it down to a personal level. My pride in the life that I can provide for those around me. I've got a whole lot of pride sometimes there. Right? So Edom, 
We're stronger. We're better. We've got all of these things. We're set up. We don't need them. They knew scripture. They knew the God of Jacob, but they did not want to or at all turn. Their allies, their wisdom, their understanding, all of that kind of stuff. We could see parallels maybe in our lives and how so much pride can easily sneak into our lives. In the same way, for many of us, there is pride in us on the things that we go, look at all the safety I can provide for my family. Look at all the things that I can do. And when we don't view them as a blessing from God, it's amazing how much it can change who the king is in your life. Right? Again, hard work is not a bad thing. My pride in life, the work I can do, the relationships that I've made, all of these things, we can easily count more than God. Okay? One of the blessings in my life is the people that I know. God has been blessing, right, with constant. But it is easy for me to get caught up in the relationships of the people around me and the things that we're trying to accomplish and the things we're trying to do instead of worshiping the God that I say I follow. Okay? Now that's just Jer. Again, I'm not the point of scripture, but how easy is it for me to get caught up in my life, in my stuff, instead of what God wants, the worship he requires? the hope that he has. So verses 10 to 14, we hear about Israel's situation of calamity, distress, and grief. And if you want, you can write maybe a note to read Jeremiah chapter 5 because those two portions of Scripture are parallel. Israel was in this spot because they turned from God. Israel was getting their consequences because they chose everything but God. You see, the hope though is when I am not part of the story, when I am not the point of the story, I become an agent of God's glory. And so this morning, I want you to hear all of this pride, all of this stuff, right, is the truth of there is so many things in Jeremiah that goes, man, God wants to, God is trying to turn those in my heart, my pride, my arrogance with my incredible wife. I am so blessed and I still fight her over the dumbest things. How often, if I'm not the point of the story, will God use that for his glory? And so I want to hear, I want you to hear today, there is hope and it ends at this section of scripture talking about the long term. And we're going to get into how it changes here in just a second. But the point of this is going, man, if I for one second get off the throne and then allow God to speak and change my heart, whatever situation I'm going through doesn't necessarily disappear, but the point changes. The point of what I'm working through, the point that I'm growing through, right? It's not a magical fix-all. Instead, what it does is it opens up for me to respond to things how God would want me to instead of Jer winning, right? You see, when I'm not the point of the story, I become an agent of his glory. I'm not the king, 
here at the church 717, we talk about values. We want to try to live into values. And one of those is living his word, and another is wrecking our kingdom. Yay. Yay. But in order to do this, we must open our hands. Our submission is vital to turn our hands from clenched fists of getting mine to the hands and feet of Jesus. Submission is vital to turn our hands from clenched fists as I'm going to get mine. I will conquer this situation. I will. To the open hands and feet of who Jesus is and what he calls us to. Okay. So let's go back into the text. The day of the Lord, okay? This is the fun part. As you read the Old Testament, phrases that you'll hear consistently, uh, his loving kindness is one of them, right? That's a st uh, staple of who God is that he speaks. The day of the Lord is always speaking, not only for that moment, but the changeover in history, okay? God is bigger than your timeline, okay? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, his ways are higher than yours, Verse 15 shifts to prophecy and appointing to something bigger, right? So all of a sudden, we're talking about this. We're talking about judgment. We're talking about what's about to happen to Edom. God's about to bring the hammer. And he also reminds us, though, that there's hope because of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord speaks to a turn in history that he returns to establish his kingdom and complete the work that he has started. The day of the Lord speaks to the moment in history where he's coming for us. He returns and establishes his kingdom and completes the work that we have done or that he has done. In our lives, with judgment comes his redemption and restoration of all things that he claims. See, many of us are scared of judgment, but he always brings redemption and restoration of all things that claim him. His judgment is always an opportunity to turn and come home. And so if one of us right now today are experiencing consequences from what we have done, we can view them as how God is choosing to discipline us, or we can choose to view them as a moment to turn and come home. We often view judgment as an ending point because we have not experienced his restorative justice. In order to divine both holiness and love, his hope is always for Edom to turn to him. There's consequences for our actions, but his constant offer is to come home. So my question today is, where are you running from him? Where are you running from? What do you have a hold on so tightly that's better than him? You say, Jerry, you started with a conversation about how you fight with your wife. Yeah. The restoration that happened after the next two days speaks to a savior because there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's mercy. 
There's consequences for our actions, but his constant offer is to come home. Not to avoid the consequences, but to understand you're meant to be with him. You're not supposed to run. You're not supposed to fight. He has you. He loves you. He's calling to you. There's incredible hope today. Jesus has been and always will be at work accomplishing his will and what he wants. Our sin separates us, but the pierced hands and feet of our Savior always welcome us home. You are forgiven. You are loved. Stop running. Stop holding on tightly to the things of this world. You see, Edom's pride led to their judgment. Their lack of repentance led to their death. The hope in knowing that he is at work bringing us back means today is the day to turn to him. There is always hope. So for many of us, we've claimed Jesus in our lives. But the situations that we keep running into, we keep banging our head against the wall. Those are the things that he wants from you. Those are the things that he's saying, will you trust me enough to lay this down? Will you trust me enough to open your hand a little bit and say, you know what? I've got you. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. I've got you. All the things that you have done, I gave those to you. All the things you're striving for, I'm with you in. Come home. There is hope in knowing he is at work bringing us back. That means today's the day to turn towards him. The hope that he is at work restoring the exiles strengthens us for what is in front of us. You see, those last two verses or three verses I had Jody read, I texted her and I said, I'm really sorry, but there's a point. Just do the best you can with the words. We'll be with you. We can read them ourselves, right? And she did a great job. But the interesting thing is the day of the Lord is that reminder that he is coming back. And then he says, the deliverers will always come up. Depending on what scripture version you read, it's the saviors, the deliverers. That's Jesus. You see, there's hope that today's the day to turn. There's hope in knowing that he is working, restoring. It strengthens us, strengthens us for what's in front of us. The hope that we are part of the kingdom should fill us that we aren't alone. There's hope for today. There's hope that strengthens us for what's in front of us. And there's hope that we aren't alone because we're a part of the kingdom. So for each of us today, we hear scripture and we go in a book that maybe we don't spend a lot of time in. But you need to hear that God is always at work changing things, moving things. And so one of the struggles in my life has been constantly my pride to not listen to him. 
my pride that goes, nope, I got this. I know better. Edom's pride said, we're better. I'm not going to help my brother. Edom's pride said, I deserve to get a little bit of that. The hope today is to hear there's consequence. But there's a loving, caring God who's calling you home and saying, come. The situations you're carrying, the situation you're worried about, the situations that you can't fix, the situations. Do you trust me? For many of us, the situations aren't easily visible. Instead, they're ones that are long-term. Battles we've been fighting for years. And so the hope today is he strengthens us. Today's the day. He strengthens us for what's in front. And hope that we're a part of people who say we don't know everything, but we're with you. We're a part of the kingdom. So every week that we're together, we finish with some questions. And this is our hope, is that these questions are going to be something that goes, for this moment, that it's something to process, something to work through. And so I'm going to read the questions, and then I'm going to give you maybe just a minute or so. You can take a picture of them, whatever you want to do. But the hope is, is going, you hear these questions, and then we process them. And then we, as a church also, we welcome you in because the next week when you meet with your people, then you get to go through these questions together, right? So we hear God's word, we process a little bit, we live our week, we go back together and we go, okay, God, what do you want to do? Okay, so I'm going to read the questions. My pride will keep me from doing what Jesus calls me to. What are the situations that I am still doing that? What are the situations that you're still saying, I'm not ready? That fist is still clenched. I'm not ready. Number two, if God is bigger than my timeline, how does my calendar show that? For most of us, okay, for most of us, our calendar and how we spend our days really is a great indicator of how we view Jesus, right? And that's not judgment. Don't hear anything other than going, that's my decision that I make over my calendar and what I choose is what I care about. So what's your calendar say? Okay. And please do not hear, oh, I should be here at 9 a.m. every Sunday. That's not it. We care about Monday through Saturday and come to worship him together on Sunday. Right? Number three, when did you see God use your pride for his glory? Okay, so I'll give you an example. Huge fight, we just had one. The restorative part of that conversation was going, I talked to a friend of mine, processed it a little bit, and he's like, yeah, you got to turn. Okay, I'm sorry for what I said. But what it did was it brings us to this point when we allow our pride to be used for his glory, that turn in forgiveness, that turn in seeking more of him, that turn towards the other person, that is truth that then it builds equity in the kingdom. 
How did you guys use your pride for your glory? And last, we believe, hey, maybe none of these are resonating with you, but we are a part of the kingdom and we will spend our time together praying for the kingdom. And so I don't personally know Reverend John A. Knight, but Brightside Baptist is a church down on the southern end of uh, Lancaster City. Believe that they're doing great things for God's glory and so we wanna pray for them. And so take a moment even and say, you know what, God, whatever's happening there, may people come to know you as a result of what they're doing. Okay? All right, so we're going to pray for a second or um, play a song just for a minute. Allow that chance to process. And what it is, if you want to just sit and think, you want to write a note, whatever you need to do, take a second or just take a second and say, Spirit, what do you want to say? And if you're like me, sitting still for a minute is quite impressive. So, uh, yep, we're ready to go. Father, thank you for who you are, and Father, thank you for your word. And so, Father, we thank you that we get to see you in all of Scripture. And Father, we want, we want for your return. But Father, we recognize while we are here, you have gifted us with purpose and mission because of who you are. And so you're both in working on us and using us for your glory. And so, Father, that's a process. Help us today to open up a little bit, to allow you to be on the throne. Father, how I choose my calendar and how I interact and how I do things. Father, may you speak for the times I make it about me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a part of our lives. And Father, we need you. We want you to be a part of everything we do, and we invite you into that. Give us grace in your precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.